0: Design You Podcast, Episode 35. If you are stressed, stretched, and stuck, and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to grow, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi, guys. Tina Murray here. Today, I'm welcoming to the drawing board, Eric Rosenberg. Eric is a Californian finance, travel, and technology writer. He is a former bank manager and corporate finance and accounting professional who left his day job to take his online side hustle full-time. He has an in-depth experience writing about banking, credit cards, investing, and other financial topics, and is an avid travel hacker. Join me as I chat with Eric about how to bank on your side hustle. Hey, Eric, welcome to the Design You podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited you're here. Now, what really excites me about the little bit I know about you is you've taken your side hustle and you've made it into a full-time job. People dream of that stuff. So tell us how.
1: Yeah, I dreamed of it too. So, I I went to action and I I wanted to make it happen. So, yeah, I, I'm thrilled to share the story. So, it all started, yeah, actually I, I was thinking the other day where it all really started. And I think it really started when I got my first computer when I was 10. So, I, but I won't go into the whole uh the whole story back that far, but um along the way when I was in high school, I self-taught myself how to build websites, which I just happened to be the right age at the right time with mm-hmm. the right time on my hands, and there was this new thing called Yahoo Geo Cities, and I was a fan of The Rock, <laughs> and I thought everyone should know about my favorite professional wrestler, <laughs> so I made a website about him, cool. uh, and, and I. But that taught me a lot about building websites, and then a few years later, um, in college, I was working in an office at a summer camp, and I was actually the guy running the office, so most of the time you know, I, I was busy working with troops and scoutmasters and making Mm -hmm. sure uh, all of the campers had paid their bills and such. (laughs) But uh, we had just gotten this brand new satellite internet, which felt really high speed, even though compared to what we have today is really slow. Uh, (laughs) But we had internet, which, which was a big deal. And I had my laptop from college. So my last summer before I graduated during some of those down hours when all the scouts were off, You know, doing scout camply things like earning merit badges. Mm -hmm. I was I started a blog in the office on that little laptop, and I learned a lot about blogging along the way. That was in two thousand six. That summer was when I really started blogging, and I um, wrote about a variety of topics. But after I graduated college, got a finance degree, my first job was at a bank, and I was there about six months. It wasn't the right company for me, but I learned so much. At the time, and I'd had this finance degree, so when I left the job, I would kind of married up this blogging hobby and building websites hobby I'd built along the way with my new newly minted education, and a little website was born called NarrowBridgeAdventures.blogspot.com because I didn't know anything about online marketing yet. But that, yeah, but that little um, blog there turned into what is now personal profitability. That's my. Uh, personal finance website and podcast that I have, and I didn't realize it at the time. But when I started that blog, I was building a new resume for a new career path. Mm. I had no idea existed, let alone one that I would want yet. So, you know, this blogging thing for me, it had started as a hobby. I was reading these other personal finance blogs. Um, I actually have to admit, I was reading a few by female finance bloggers about my age. And I had a little blog crush on a couple of them, which is funny because you never really even see their pictures. It's like, Oh, but I like, I like what she writes about money. So I was, I was like, if these girls can do it, I can too. I have a finance degree. So I, uh, so, but, that, but that's really how it, how it all started. And along the way, I started um, getting connected to communities, which mm. was incredibly important in my success and development and in, in my, you know, online writing and online income because I came across this group called the yakezi which is a made up japanese word but it's a uh, it was a group of uh, finance bloggers still out there run by a guy um, named sam his site is financial samurai and the idea was to selflessly help others so we were all helping other finance bloggers build their blogs mm-hmm. and you know good karma comes around so it was good for me too and one year uh, there was this new personal finance blogging conference it was about to happen in chicago and some of my KZ uh, friends were going and I was like, hmm, should I get on a plane to Chicago and go meet all of these strangers from the internet who blog about money? And I thought, well, if my blog makes enough in ad revenue to pay for the trip, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad it did. I've been to every single one of that conference. It's now called FinCon. Mm-hmm. I would not be where I am without FinCon or you know, Sam and the Acacia or all all these things that kind of line up along the way. That's our journey, right? Um, So at FinCon, I I learned about treating my blog like a business rather than a hobby. Mm -hmm. So I started to make a heck of a lot more money on it. I remember the first time I got an ad that was enough to pay for a beer. (laughs) I was able to go to a bar. It was like $10 from a British company. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I can pay for a drink with what I made on my blog. Um, And eventually that grew to a point it was covering you know, all of my bar tabs for a month, which I was in my <laughs> mid-twenties, that was saying something. Then eventually my rent and, and I bought a condo and I, I'd split it with a, a roommate who was covering my part of the mortgage. So that little income, it, it all started with that first dollar yeah. and it just grew from there. And then at FinCon, um, the craziest thing started happening. Companies started saying to me, "Oh, we like what you're doing. We like what you write. I earned an MBA also while working full-time along the way. So doubled down on my finance credentials and they said, we like what you're writing. Will you write for our blog? We'll pay you. I thought, well, sure. Pay me. I'll write whatever you want. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and, and that's really how the freelance side hustle started. I never really intended to be a freelancer. It came out of the blog that I did intend to do. So something I like to tell people, even if the success you see isn't the success you expected, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I was going to be like, Pat Flynn or Chris Ducker or some of these big name personal finance bloggers that do, they're they're amazing. I know these guys and they are amazing. Uh, But that wasn't what Google had in store for me. Google wanted to send me a lot less traffic. So uh, thanks to fuzzy animals that start with a P like pandas and penguins. So, So that wasn't what was really working for me. But what was working for me was this freelancing thing. So I just had to pay attention to the success I was seeing and started to focus there. And that's when that really started to bloom and blossom into this great business model for me. And in 20... Oh, I I, I just keep talking and talking. I should let you ask me questions.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing that's really interesting is you are so lit up when you're talking about this finance stuff and the blogging, you are so lit up. So I can see why something that you expected, which is just like, oh, this is more the traditional path that I'm going to go along, why you've gone off onto this other thing because you're so excited and when people are this excited about something, it's contagious. So people are going to tap into that. They're like, my gosh, I want to know what he knows. He knows his stuff. He's excited about it. I want to be excited about money. You're getting me excited about money. So (laughs) I can see that why that's taken off because you married two things that you loved. You are passionate about them and you, you were smart enough to go, okay, how do I make a business and not a hobby out of it? But The thing is, you've actually tapped into your passion is what I'm saying.
1: I I mean, I'm definitely passionate about money. I think it it runs in my family. My grandpa was a business school professor. He Mm -hmm. taught marketing at the University of Arkansas. My dad is vice president of the Chamber of Commerce in in the city he lives in, the biggest suburb of Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it came time for me to go to business school, that was kind of a no-brainer. It was, do I want to do marketing or finance was really my big question, not business or something else. So yeah, this has always been something I've been interested in and and passionate about. And I think it's so important with money that people, you know, a lot of people look at money as something that holds them back from doing whatever it is they want to do, whether it's, you know, student loans or credit card debt or paycheck to paycheck, whatever their thing is that's holding them back. They blame money. Mm -hmm. You know, money is just a tool. So we shouldn't look at money as the thing holding us back. We should look at you know our spending habits and our income mm-hmm. and try to figure out the way to make it work for us. And I have a friend, I, I mention this quote all the time. I wish I'd come up with it myself I say it so much. <laughs> uh, my friend Paula Pant, her website is Afford Anything. She says, you can't afford everything, but you can afford anything. Yeah. And I agree with that completely. So whatever your thing is, you know, Make sure your money is going to that. You know, if you say you love to travel, but you can't afford to travel, well, why can't you afford to travel? Is it because you go to Starbucks five to ten times a week? Mm-hmm. Is it because you spend too much money on cable or satellite TV that you don't really watch that much because you're, you know, too busy working and chasing the kids around or whatever? You know, again, it's what, whatever you value. Now, you know, it's easy to pick on cable and, and Starbucks, but if you really love coffee and that's your thing awesome. you go buy the $5 cup of coffee. That's fine. But what is the thing you don't value that you can cut mm. so you can't afford that coffee? And that, that's what personal finance is really about. It's about finding those, you know, those priorities and making those decisions to reach your priorities. And if you're not reaching those priorities, figure out why and what you can change to do that. Well,
0: you know, I actually for me, just think that's life. Oh, yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. What are your priorities in life? Yeah. <laughs> focus it's- on, if family's your priority, focus on family. If traveling's your priority, mm-hmm. focus on how you can get there. So it's, to me, it's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, it's like where you spend your money and your time yeah. is, is really representative of what your actual values are and whether or not that's what you think your values are. Yep. You know, you, you might have an idealistic view of what your values are. Um, but if you really spend your time, you know, Watching football and drinking beer. Apparently, that's what you value. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't value the couch that much. So I, I got to work <laughs> and started a business. That was what I valued. <laughs> that's where I put my time, yeah. and my money at, at, at some points. I think investing in your business is very important. That's something that held me back from faster growth in the beginning. I could have, well, I would have eventually, I think, gotten to the same path, but I could have gotten there quicker if I'd been willing to spend, you know, ten dollars to buy my own .com rather than being on Blogger. $50 for my own hosting and WordPress earlier on mm. rather than just going for the free thing, which, you know, it's easy to go with the free thing. I get it. It's, it's a money conversation again. Yeah. But when it's a business, you got to invest a little bit. And mm. you know, I, I know all these bloggers who spend so much time on their websites. I'm like, you won't even spend $10 a year to buy your domain name. Like, you make more than $10 an hour. On, you yeah. wouldn't put that into your site to get your or or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So those are important things to think about.
0: So how do you help people with, with that? Because people do have a lot of blocks with money and especially things like where do they invest in their future and their business and where do they don't? What do you find is the biggest block that most of us have? Is it foresight? Is it understanding where the money can make us money down the track? What is it?
1: I think there's two big issues. One is we just don't get a great money education, most mm-hmm. people. I know, I know on this side of the Pacific, we don't really have any laws that young people have to learn anything about money before they graduate high school mm-hmm. so you could finish high school not knowing what an interest rate is and you're being thrown into this world you know if you go to college right away where there's going to be people on campus saying hey here's a free pizza if you sign up for a credit card mm-hmm. you don't know what that credit card is going to do to your money so that's one thing is just not knowing and i think that's a failure of our education systems okay. and sometimes parents i mean there's also you know a big cultural thing about not talking about money even within families you know i have yes. friends who whose parents never talked to them about money so they had to figure it all out as they went so if you are a parent you know, talk to your kids about money mm. bring them into the family budgeting discussion even if you're not going to tell them what your paycheck is mm. you can help them understand I mean, we have so much money each month you're, here's you know some of it has to go to where we live here's what a mortgage is and mm. what interest rates are you know, that car out in the driveway that's older than our neighbor's car, that's because yep. our neighbor has a car payment and we don't. Yep. You know Things like that, kids don't understand. So that's one thing. And the other side I would say is analysis paralysis. <laughs> There's just so many options that people are afraid to make a decision because they think they might make a bad one. Mm. And you know, don't be afraid of that, especially when it comes to saving and long-term saving for retirement. You know, for you know, every stock exchanges and, and mutual funds and things work differently in different parts of the world. Sure. But here, I often tell people uh, one of the best things you could do, especially if you're young, just buy the lowest cost S and P 500 mutual fund you can for your retirement, because mm-hmm. that is a bucket of 500 of the biggest public companies in the United States, and even if one or two have a bad day. I mean, even if they all have a bad day at the same time, we've seen that it happens. They always come back and then some. And over yeah. a long enough period of time, it always has gone up at about an average 10% rate. So don't try to pick you know, individual stocks. You know, it, it, like looking at Tesla is really exciting. Like right now, you know, they I know they built a, uh, a battery-driven power plant in Australia, which yep. is kind of cool. Yep. They're building these cars here in the US, but they can't seem to build them fast enough so the company might go bankrupt. You know, I wouldn't go buying a risky stock like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'd love the stock to do well. I think the power walls are cool and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, that doesn't mean I'm going to put my money in it. Yeah, you know, where I'm going to put my money is a, yeah, that diverse basket of stocks. And you know, there's, um, you know, I know, I know there's, there's this big stock exchange in Australia. So, I, would, Do you know, are there big mutual funds for big Australian companies, anything like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In there, yeah, so for there sure. There's banking sectors and there's finance. Uh, what well, is finance? Yeah. There's all these different sectors. Um, yeah, absolutely, for
1: sure. Yeah, so similar to what we have here. Just yeah. you know, it's just making uh, making those long term bets that the market will go up if you invest a relatively conservative, low cost way, mm. um, and don't tinker with it. Don't look every single day <laughs> because if you look every day, investment. yeah, if you see your stocks go down, you know. The last few weeks with this craziness going on between the U.S. and China, <laughs> my stocks are going like this every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, it would be really easy to go oh, and sell them all. Yeah. Um, but if you sell and it's on the way down, you're going to miss when it goes back up, yes. which will usually go up and then some. So, um, you know, again, if it's a single stock, it might not come back up. I mean, there's good stories, or not good stories, bad stories of that, good examples of that. Mm-hmm. Enron is a famous one mm-hmm. that stock didn 't come back, and a lot of people put their whole retirement fund into that so mm-hmm. you know, that hurt when that what happened to them but if they 'd been in a diverse set of funds, even though you know, I, I think Enron might have been in the s p five hundred even if that one went to zero that 's four hundred and ninety nine other stocks that didn 't and so that 's why I love the uh, the diversification factor there
0: yeah sure again no brainer from yeah. makes complete sense so I know that you have a bucket list or life list oh, yes. and you, <laughs> from what I understand, you've been good about changing it. If you, if something doesn't work for you anymore anymore, like climbing all the peaks, was it in Colorado was one of the ones yes. you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. I'd had a, uh, I'd had a long-term goal to climb all 54 mountains in Colorado that are over 14,000 feet in elevation above sea level. Mm-hmm. Cause I used to live in Colorado and, and it was something that I enjoyed doing. I found I enjoyed it less and less over time. I was a <laughs> lot more excited about it in the beginning. Um, I made it up to the top of eight, okay. which I'd say is a pretty good percentage of of, um, of the total. But I don't live in Colorado anymore, so it wouldn't make sense for me to keep going with that one. And I think that's something uh, that also applies in a lot of ways to business and entrepreneurship and side hustles. I've started s- tons of side hustles over the years. I just actually closed one that I've been doing uh, about a decade called Denver Flash Mob, where we would run flash mobs for hire. It, it okay. was um, it was really fun, really exciting. Didn't make a ton of money, made a few bucks. Got a choreographer, made a few bucks. Everyone made a few bucks, but the big goal behind it was to help people have flash mobs for proposals and weddings and nonprofits and fun events. And um, you know, it was great, but you know, if you look at the term flash mob on Google, you know, how many searches there were per year, mm-hmm. I bet you would see it probably peaked right around the time we started the business okay, and slowly dwindled away in the years since. Okay, And you're like my 14er goal. There was a point I had to say, well, is the time I'm putting into flash mobs worthwhile and paying me mm. back when I figured out I could make as much in half a day freelance writing for a good client as I could running Denver flash mob for like a year. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a clear t- sign. It was time to kind of wrap things up there. So sure. um, don't be afraid to cut things loose if they're not working.
0: And is that just about the financial side, or does that come into your own personal life as well? Like how when you're deciding, if people deciding, you know what, something I've invested in actually isn't working. When's that cut off point? Is it just financial, or what else comes into play?
1: I guess I guess it could apply to everything in life. I mean, there's one, I guess, kind of controversial place we could talk about is you know, there's a concept that you are as successful as the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So look at the five people you spend the most time with. Are they doing something that's like what you want to be like? Mm. You know, are they setting kind of an example of something that you would want to do? if you hang out with a bunch of people who use drugs all the time, odds are that's what you're going to start doing. Mm-hmm. You hang out with people who start businesses and build apps and code all the time, you might pick that up. Mm-hmm. So look at that. And there are people I can think of, I won't name, <laughs> who I've been friends with in my life that I've made a point to distance myself from. Sure. Because either they were you know, so constantly just negative about things, You know, people who are just no, no, no! It's all bad and wrong all the time. Blah, blah. Like, I don't need that in my life. Enough of that. And, you know, there's always there's also people who constantly have drama. That's not something I care to be a part of all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wanted drama, I'd watch Jersey Shore. I never <laughs> watched, and I never watched Jersey Shore. <laughs> I promise. Or, or, but you know, there's all these shows. If you want drama, like, I don't need that in my life. It's, it's not For a sure. positive thing. So, people who have that kind of add that kind of stress and negativity to my life, I have distanced myself from so Mm. it absolutely applies beyond business but uh for entrepreneurship and for money that it's clear you know it's another thing that's coming to mind as a comparison is if you're playing poker you know texas holden poker is a big one just because you put five dollars down and you know the next card comes and it's not the one you wanted and someone bets should you bet more hoping again you're going to get the next card because you're You'd think, oh, I put that $5 in. I'm invested. Mm-hmm. No, that $5 is already gone. So True. here you put it on the table. So don't keep investing more in something that's not working. You know, sometimes you just have to fold and, and wait for the next hand.
0: Mm. Um, talking of the five people you're in your vicinity and coming back to our original discussion, The Rock, have you ever met him?
1: I've never met The Rock. though I have seen him in person once. <laughs> I, I used to go see pro wrestling a lot. When I was when I was in high school, every time they came to Denver, I had to go. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times I even went to like Colorado Springs and other cities nearby. Um, so I got to see The Rock run out once and do his thing, but never got to meet him.
0: <laughs> so do you think he knows about the website that you created or like...
1: Probably not. I think there were probably <laughs> a lot of websites about him in, in two thousand six or whatever year that was. It was before that. I was in high school. Two thousand. I was in high school in two thousand. It, it was probably around two thousand one. I was building that website. It was before I was sixteen. Okay. So when I was sixteen, I wasn't sitting on the computer. I was out driving.
0: <laughs> um, question I ask all my guests: In fifty years' time, where do you see yourself?
1: Fifty years' time. Hopefully, he's still around. <laughs> um, I don't know you know I it's something I think about I never I often think about you know five years not 50 years as much you know 50 years from now I hope I have a whole lot of savings and investments in the bank some real estate investments that's an the next place I'm looking at getting investing mm-hmm. uh, for my own money mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to have a portfolio between real estate and other investments mm. that pays me enough cash flow each month that I could live without working Mm -hmm. if I chose not to, Mm -hmm. but hopefully I'll be excited about things enough that I won't have stopped working totally. I'll just be working when and how and where I want, which was actually why I started, why freelancing became such a big thing. I I hope my life doesn't look that different except my kids will be older. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) I'll be a little wrinklier here. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Well, the reason I ask people that, because as you know, often people say, well, what's your five year plan? The thing is, when you're talking about a five year plan, it's too caught up with where we are now. So you talk about your kids. How old are your kids?
1: Um, My older one is two and a half. (laughs) Sure. Little. <laughs>
0: okay. So when you say in five years time, you're still going to be taking into account that your daughter is going to be at primary school. She's probably mm-hmm. going to go to sport. She probably needs babysitters nearby, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're starting to look at your full life, that's great because it is part of what we need to do. But the reason I take people to 50 years is because if you work backwards from that, you've already said that your life now is pretty much how you want it to be in 50 years. So you're pretty much on on track and you can keep on going, okay, so. <laughs> well, my five year plan related to just, my five-year plan. It's you know, so, more of the same. Yeah. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people yeah. are so caught up in where they are now. They don't have, don't take the time to see what's really important to them. So I reverse engineer it back 50 down to five, yeah, three, two. I like that. Yeah.
1: I hope, I hope in 50 years, all of our lives look a little bit more like star Trek. I think oh, that'd really? be cool. <laughs> like I want to be able to beam places. Okay. Use energy that's not fossil fuel driven. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you
1: get sick or break an arm or you know, they just like put a little thing on your arm, and they're like, all right, you're better. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's cool. No big diseases. Everything's cured. I, I think that'd be pretty darn cool. I, I have high, high hopes for our future. I don't know if the world's moving as quickly that direction as it was a few years ago, but uh, I have high hopes that, that humanity will overturn the the tides and and we'll make it a better place
0: (laughs) Mm. talk to me more about the world being a better place
1: the world being a better place and we have the resources today that there should be no people in the world who don't have access to clean water Mm. we have access to and we wiped out polio in the united states we could if we really tried get rid of it in india and pakistan and africa mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. um i think the, making the world a better place doesn't have to be just pipe dreams you know I, I, i'll bring up elon musk again you know we're, mm-hmm. we're building spaceships to take us to mars and you know hyperloop t- tunnels and things and that's all wonderful and great and i hope it happens but you know, mil- hundreds of thousands of kids die every year because they don't have clean water mm-hmm. that's children that's like heartbreaking to me and Mm-hmm. It would just take, you know, one check. The guy who invented the Segway, Dean Kamen, in, uh, invented a thing that will make water clear without needing energy, or make water clean to drink without needing any energy. It just needs water, just a mm-hmm. source. he mm-hmm. uh, just needs, what five billion dollars. But yeah, it's a big number. But that's all it would really probably take, and mm-hmm. there would be no kids dying without of having you know, polluted and contaminated water anymore.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: just little, I mean, little things like that, you know, things that we can get our arms around, I think Ooh. would make the world a better place. We should look at the things we can do and do them because yeah. that'd be pretty darn cool if we like got rid of, you know, all these diseases.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And just basic things. I, um, a lot of my work goes towards some work I do in Ghana and, you know, to put in a water tank in one school that didn't have any water costs $570. One person gave me the money to do that. And then there's been another tank that have been bit by bit. People have been giving money, but that's nothing. And it makes a difference to 840 children.
1: They suddenly it changes their lives every day.
0: So we don't have to think about changing everybody's life. Let's start with the small bits and just see the impact of that bit by bit. It's about a big picture.
1: Yeah. Let's look at the people who need our help the most and help Mm -hmm. them because there's probably a reason they need our help more than other people. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's help them. You know, Mm. that's, that's what, uh, that's what a lot of people say they want to do is help people and give charity and help those who really Mm. need let's, you know, let's follow our religious beliefs and actually do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And don't get me started on toilets because the amount of open defecation in the world, which is a great, Mm creator of disease which which
1: way do um which way does the water spin when you flush a toilet in australia
0: the opposite to you (laughs) it actually does
1: (laughs) there was a great simpsons episode back in back in the day where they built a special toilet at the u.s embassy in australia so it would spin the same way as in the u.s you'd feel like at home i love it (laughs) that's a great use of resources right there it was a cartoon but sounds like something sounds like something (laughs) they'd come up with (laughs)
0: Absolutely. So how can people get in touch with you?
1: Yes, definitely. So the easiest way to reach me is Twitter. I'm Eric Profits on Twitter. Uh, You could also go to personalprofitability.com for the blog or podcast or ericrosenberg.com to learn about my freelance business and other stuff I'm doing. Um, Before we go, I have a giveaway. If you guys were inspired by my money talk, uh, I have a free week-long personal profitability boot camp. You get an email once a day. Uh, every morning for a week with a link to a video about 10 minutes long to help you get on your path to personal profitability. That's at personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp. It's free, no strings attached. Just sign up there and, and it'll start
0: showing up. That's awesome. Thanks for that offer. That's brilliant. And if you have got words of wisdom to leave with our Design New Community, what would it be? Uh,
1: words of wisdom to design my community?
0: No, no, no. I would say
1: to design my best life, Mm -hmm. Um, sit down and really think about what your best life looks like and write it down on a piece of paper with a pen, even if that sounds very foreign and ancient to you. (laughs) Um, And put that on a wall or your mirror or your office or your desk, because that's your goal. And then when you have time, figure out concrete steps to get there because your your dreams can come true. You just have to take steps to make them happen
0: and it's about having that clarity isn't it
1: yeah absolutely you know, having having a vision and a way to get there it's it's like the things to start a business you don't need a hundred thousand components you just need a customer a product or service and a way to sell it it's simple it's the same thing with goals it's simple you just have to set a plan and, and follow your plan yeah it might sound easier said than done but hey i've done it you can do it too
0: What a wonderful way to finish. You've done it. We can do it too. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciated your time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in, and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design New podcast and helps us to reach design viewers from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design New podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, as you design communicate it. it. And live